Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Side to Side Sportscast, where it's your boys, Will, Woody, and CJ, and we come to break it all down from the court side, the ring side, the sidelines, and for those sports they play outdoors, we outside, we side to side, that's how we ride. And today, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl 56, where the L.A. Rams and Matt Stafford have clinched. This, they become Super Bowl champions. Um, the Bengals, they'll have to try again another time. It was definitely a great game that came down to the finish. But um, the Rams won. I had the Bengals winning. Uh, more so a hopeful pick than a reality pick, but they looked like they had a chance. Woody and CJ both had the Rams winning and two against one. They are victorious. So, fellas, your reaction to the Super Bowl, uh, what do you think? What did you enjoy about the game? Honestly, as a Pats fan, I've watched a lot of Super Bowls, right? It, 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 you know, <laughs> and I, it, it, I've, I've got to say that this was quite literally one of the more entertaining Super Bowls that I've watched. Um, I – there was it was going you know one way one way or the other just the, the Bengals had control I thought that they were going to end up taking taking a lead and taking control of the game and you know getting the interception uh you know leading in, into the half like just everything seemed to be kind of piling up like I was uh, like see I wasn't surprised the Bengals are probably going to pull this one out and then lo and behold the stars the stars of the Rams that me and Woody have been talking about incessantly came to play right i mean aside from the injury to odell he still put up a touchdown and two receptions and 50 something yards right so like he had an impact on the game even though he didn't play half the game um so i just gotta say it was you know it was entertaining um the outcome is what you know close to what i thought it would be i didn't think anybody was going to be blown out in this game um but it did. The stars came. The stars showed up. The pressure was real. So, Rudy, you you already know. Oh, we got some music going on. All right. Yeah. I, I, I like I don't know. Somebody was going to the moon. I'll tell you who is <laughs> over the moon right now is Matthew Stafford and those LA Rams. I'll tell you that right now. Now, I've been saying, I've been saying since preseason that these boys are the favorites they were my pick they were my pick to win it all and all will gaddy did was show pick sixes thrown in practice he's been hating he was like oh wait and see wait and see seahawks you know just disrespecting the nfc west but you know what who is standing tall at the end of the season it is none other than the la rams themselves and we talked about pressure right cj and i we talked about it right pressure it takes that coal it takes that coal and it squeezes it into that diamond we are looking at a whole bunch of diamonds on both sides of the ball right now and they are the winners now let, let's let's talk about the game because there's a couple things that i want to say all right a couple of things that I'm hearing a lot, hearing a lot, hearing a lot, hearing a lot. One thing that I got to say right now, Jalen Ramsey, I'm not sure if you're that dude, man. You, I mean, you were getting smoked left and right in that game. No one's talking about it. Eli Apple, poor Eli Apple. He, he might as well change his name to Eli Pinata because everyone's just been beating him up on social media, just beating him up, you know, 
getting at him. But Jalen Ramsey was getting cooked all game. Jalen, are you the shutdown corner? Are you the number one corner in the NFL? I don't know. Didn't look like it that game. Next thing I want to say, all right, I know the game was called pretty loosely all game. And then suddenly, literally sudden, like it, it was all of a sudden in the last three minutes, all these flags started flying. I, I really think it's a little bit of a stretch to say the refs gave the Rams the game. Okay. You know, if that was fourth down, right, and they had the incompletion and the flag flies, okay. All right. All right. Say that. But, you know, it was third down. All right. They still had a chance. And honestly, Matthew Stafford has consistently been one of the best fourth quarter comeback kids in the NFL. I'm not going to say that he only won that because of the refs. I mean, they've been doing that. And Cooper Cup, I mean, Cooper Cup been getting, you know, walk-off TDs, you know, all these clutch catches. So I I actually have faith that they would have closed it out either way. But obviously the refs made it much, much easier. And shout-out to AD, Aaron Donald, anyone who saw the the special edition of the Woody 3, apparently they call him the Terminator. I've never heard that in my life, but I did link proof to that. Okay, he was out here, right? He clinched the NFC title game. Now he clinched the Super Bowl, one of the greatest, uh, you know, tackles to ever play the game. I mean, shout out to him. Eric Weddle tears his peck in the middle of the game. Still play. I mean, this is what CJ and I were talking about when we talked about the, the, the pressure, the passion, everybody's last shot. Eric Weddle tears his peck, and he's like, this is my last game. I, I better stay out here and play. I'm sure Odell – you know, everyone's clowning Odell. He was crying on the sideline. He was probably crying because he was trying to go back out there and play. And they're like, nah, nah, Odell, Odell, come on. You tore your ACL, bro. Like, chill, chill. Like, Eric Weddle probably just didn't even tell the doctors. Like, he was just like, oh, nah, I'm good, I'm good. Like, all these guys were playing through horrific injuries just to get the chance to hold that Lombardi trophy. And they did it. They did it. They are champions. They're victorious. Kudos to August. James Woody for predicting this, for being dead on, like he always is, L.A. Rams, Super Bowl champs. And and you know what? One thing that you got to say the refs, you know, that big one was T. Higgins, right? They missed that one for the Bengals. I mean, it may not have even been that close had they not. You know, that, that, was, that was pretty blatant when you look at it on the replay. And, like, even live when I was looking at it, it kind of looked funny, like, you know, kind of a weird head jerk motion. And I was like – it's one that they let go. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, like, so you know, one way or the other, um, you I know, they, they, help, they help the Rams a little bit too. Um, but you know, it's, we've seen this time and time again in the NFL, just games are decided a lot of times by, by refs, unfortunately. Have either of you ever watched a movie and the movie yeah. just, fire like the movie is so good from beginning and then you get to the to the point where there's some conflict and it's it's got your attention you're like man i don't know how this movie is going to end and you're trying to predict the ending and like because we always try to predict the ending right but then you get to the end and you are ready to flip your tape push you know flip your desk kick something throw pillows because the ending stunk. Now, first, kudos to the Los Angeles Rams for winning Super Bowl 56. 
you know, it's been a long season. And just like just like Woody and CJ point out, there was a tremendous amount of pressure. You know, you you mortgaged your future. Your coach is talking about potential retirement. Aaron Donald's talking about potential retirement. You're, you're in a cap situation. You need to win now. You know, you have to win. The pressure is there, right? And then you got these young kids over on the other sidelines who their franchise hasn't been to the Super Bowl since 1988, but they haven't done anything at all since 1991. And now you got Joe Cool, and they're giving it to you, man. Um, the M.O. on beating the Los Angeles Rams is if you stop their run, because Sean McVay does a masterful job, even when he had Jared Goff, of making all of his offensive plays out of the bunch formation, you know, whether the bunch is on the left or the right, everything looks the same. But when that ball is snapped, it ain't never the same. He's got so many different things he does out of that formation. But if you can stop the run, you can stop the bleeding on the fire in that offense. And um, the Bengals had it, you know. Questionable call with T. Higgins uh, going down the sideline over Jalen Ramsey. But, hey, Jalen Ramsey, he he got his reputation himself. Sometimes he flops, he sells, and the refs, they weren't just going to throw the flag. He got beat, you know. It is what it is. It happened. Now that the, the Bengals are up 20 to 16, and I'm like, this game is good, man. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams scored again, right? But it stayed there. And then there was a key play in the third quarter where the Bengals were backed up in their own territory. It was, I think, third and 13. And Joe Burrow escaped the sack. He had Tyler Boyd open, but he short-armed the throw, and it was incomplete, right? I was like, man, this is not looking good. They got another stop. They get the ball back, and then Tyler Boyd does it again. They actually get down the field. Tyler Boyd looks away from the catch because he's thinking about his next move, and he drops the pass. And then the Rams get the ball back for what would be their final drive, and they would wind up winning the game. I knew the Bengals. They Now, I want to talk about the refs, but the Bengals had their chances to put that game away and they did not. So that is why they lost. I'm not going to blame it on the refs, but I really dislike how the refs can influence a close game down the stretch. I almost feel like if you want a game to not seem like it's quote-unquote rigged or whatever, it has to be a blowout because you get down in the red zone and Logan Wilson, who was playing his heart out, sound technique, deflects the pass that Cooper Cup could have caught. That was not pass interference, but okay, they called it. That was the tickiest of the tackiest calls all game, right? Those flags on Eli Apple well-deserved because Eli was playing like trash out there, right? He was playing like absolute trash, right? Um, rotten apples out there. He was garbage. So those flags were warranted, but the, the call on Logan Wilson, to me, is where I was just like, man, you know, I felt like the Bengals could have came up with a stop, but we don't live in an if, um, you know, we live in what happened. And it was a great win by the Rams. They won the Super Bowl. And now we'll find out. Is Aaron Donald going to come back? Is he going to run it back? Is he actually going to retire? Is Sean McVay going to retire? You know, that would be two huge losses. And, um, you know, will this championship be worth it if the Rams are basically – the worst team in football history for the next six or seven years. And Matt Stafford is feeling like he's back in Detroit just without the, um, you know. Listen, the answer is yes. 
Okay, you know how many quarterbacks don't have a Super Bowl ring that that are great quarterbacks um, that have gone through this league? Absolutely, it, it was worth it. That, that was that was their goal. They achieved it. Now, well, it's worth it for Stafford because he's just a player. Saying, but for the Rams, like, yeah, oh, you might I get the Super worth, Bowl. I think it's worth it. Period. Just you know, you ha- if you win a Super Bowl once every. 10 years your your fan base is going to be you know sticking around and, and and pretty happy about it right like once every decade you put one together that's good so now Agreed. they got so with that logic do you think 10 years from now they could put together a winning team sure because you have no idea what's going to happen in the next five to seven right so like you know it's that's what i'm saying mortgaging mortgaging the future in football um is incredibly risky um you know because anybody can get injured at any point in time it's just you know we we've seen guys go out left and right um at the most important position so it's it's risky but listen if those stars get on the field together and they play in the biggest game and or i should say biggest games in the playoffs then look at i mean we we've seen we've seen that attempted in basketball right where you're kind of resting all your stars till the playoffs and then you Un- unleash everybody um you know come playoff time it kind of like was that feel like the rams you know were just like just waiting waiting for that playoff push to happen and and they got everybody on got everybody as healthy as possible um and then they crippled a little bit in the super bowl um but definitely crippled the one, the one, yeah the one thing they held up just long enough just long <laughs> enough um the one thing that i'm i i am so baffled by is McVeigh retiring? Um, it, it, it's why keep just <laughs> you are you are incredibly young. You're clearly talented. I mean, you brought Jared Goff, you know, close close to a Super Bowl. You just you know you've got Stafford there. I don't I don't think Stafford's going anywhere. Uh, you still got Cooper Cup. You got Woods coming back. Like what? You have pieces in play. The world isn't crumbling. If you're if you're McVeigh, you are at the very least going to put together a respectable team next year. Repeating, I wouldn't put my money on it. But why why not why not continue to try and build back? I don't. I, I, that's something I don't understand. I actually think McVeigh is. Um, I think he sees what could potentially be happening. He might come back next year, but. Um, to run it back, I, you know, him and Stafford, like, hey, let's run this back. I really think Stafford is going to convince him to come back for another year. Like, hey, man, you brought me over here. Let's run this back. But let's think about this. This is one thing that I haven't heard anybody talk about. Why did the L.A. Rams go to St. Louis? Because they couldn't sell tickets in their stadium anymore. Now they have this glorious. Wait, what happened? Oh, what the, the, the St. Louis Rams go to L.A.? No, I'm talking about when they left LA in the first place to go to St. Louis. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> they, they weren't they weren't selling tickets anymore, right? And they left the city and they went to St. Louis. And then LA was like, we need a team back in the market. We need it. And what happens? You know, they build the SoFi Stadium. Packed, but you got a team that's worth going to see. L.A. fans, I'm sorry, L.A. fans are not going to games unless the team is good. You have no future now, right? You need your great coach. 
You need to figure out what you're going to do. Yeah, you got the Super Bowl. It's great, right? The players, well-deserved. It's worth it for Aaron Donald. I love the fact that he's a champion because he's whether he has a ring or not, that man is a champion. I respect him to the, to the utmost, right? But now you don't have future draft picks. You're in a cap casualty. You know, your, your roster could be really bad, potentially. It could be bad. And then going through these seasons where your team is bad, now you're not selling the tickets in SoFi anymore. Now that becomes a big problem because there's a lot of money invested in that stadium, right? Now that becomes a problem. Chargers fans don't go to the stadium anyway. Chargers fans, they, you know, Chargers fans, they don't go to L.A. to go to the stadium. Maybe maybe Rams, I guess that's what they'll have to bank on. Are the Chargers going to be good? But this could be a big problem if that team – I don't think they can make it through 10 years not being good. You know, um, they would have to figure out what to do next. So that that's what I mean is, is it worth it? It's like, you know, if you sold, if you sell your soul, I'm not trying to get all extra deep and I ain't preaching here. But like, you know, if somebody sold their soul for a moment, like, you know, ultimately what matters? Um, so they got the championship, but only time will tell and we'll have to see. That, that's my point on is it worth it. From McVay's point of view, I mean, that would be kind of crazy. Because um, like last year, we had the oldest coach in um, Super Bowl history win, win a Super Bowl. That was Bruce Arians. And he came back. He's running back. He's back again. He just lost his 44-year-old quarterback, but he's he's coming back. Um, and now we're saying the youngest, quarter, uh, youngest coach in um, Super Bowl history to win – is about to retire. Like, I mean, the the man, the the man is is younger than than, than some of the members here on side to side. Like, wait, we, this would, this would be crazy to just throw it all away. It, it really would be crazy to throw it all away. I mean, you look. We we talked a lot last week about coaching trees and all that. And look at what Kyle Shanahan has done. I mean, I don't know if there was a time where we looked at the 49ers roster and said, "Oh, they're elite." I mean, we can play the tape of, you know, Will Gaddy's uh, August comments on the 49ers. He didn't think they were worth anything. But here, the, like, Kyle was able to make the the whole greater than the sum of its parts, and they actually made it all the way to the NFC Championship. I think McVay has it in him to do the exact same thing. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, that Jared Goff team – was actually pretty stacked itself, you know. Um, but I do, I do think he has the ability to elevate teams. Now, does he does he have it in him? Like, does he does he want to do that? I guess you know that's where you can argue. But I I don't really see a scenario where a thirty six year old man is, is I mean is just going into retirement. I mean I I don't know. I I just I can't see that. Well, I think the reason why it's a topic is because. That team, man, when Bruce Arians ran it back, he literally ran it back with the same team. So you come back for something like that. Sean McVay may not – that may not be the same team next year. I mean, you'll have Stafford, but defensively, like they're – they have to make a lot of decisions, and they don't have draft capital. So it's going to, they're going to have a whole bunch of undrafted free agents on the team. Um, they're going to have to sacrifice some players with, with certain salary situations. Aaron Donald retiring might help them from a cap standpoint. He may literally retire. 
it's going to be a super challenge to to run it back with next year's Rams. Now, I don't know the intricacies of the Rams uh, salaries. Like I can tell you the Cowboys are 24 million over the cap, but with just a couple restructured contracts, restructured, not even sacrificing players, they can easily be 39 million under the cap that fast because that's how they set up the cameras. I mean, the, the, um, the contract. So the cap hell is a myth, but I don't know if it's a myth for the Rams, you know, uh, I, we will have to look into that and see what they do, but all signs right now are pointing to it is, they have a lot of decisions to make and they don't have draft capital. So again, they won the Super Bowl. They are the champions next year, no matter who's out there, even if CJ Silva himself is playing quarterback or, um, you know, on the other side of Cooper cup, um, you know, they're going to be defending, the Super Bowl 56 champion and I'm um, trying their best to get to 57, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see if that happens. I don't want to see McVay retire, but he may just be exhausted because like you said, that pressure of winning that could have taken out a significant amount of energy out of him. He could have gassed all the way out throughout the season. Like even during the game, like, are we literally going to lose to the Bengals? Is this going to happen? Because it didn't look like it didn't look like they were getting stopped, man. Until that last win. drive, when Cooper Cup got the first down on the reverse, that's when they finally started to breathe. Like, okay, let's let's finish this game. Like, you know, and uh, but he could just be so exhausted that he may need to take a season. Maybe he wants to coach the Cowboys. Maybe he wants oh. to be showing Peyton for it. Oh. Who knows? But. Oh, uh, I don't know about that, but I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, I just, just a couple, a couple other uh, quick points um, that that I wanted to make. Where you know, McVeigh McVeigh should absolutely stick around because, like you said, some of these guys who are leaving have a big number attached to them. You're gonna have money to spend and recreate the roster. I mean, you're looking at Stafford. He's <laughs> Some some might even argue as a pocket passer that he's in the prime of his career right now and get and, and going to just, could, you know, yes, he throws a lot of interceptions. But clearly, I mean, this this is his first year working with Cooper Cup. Imagine like what's going to happen with two or three years of rapport working with him. Imagine what could potentially happen when Robert Woods comes back. Like there's there's still a lot of potential within that team. Um, and then, you know, if you do lose. Aaron Donald, that's going to be tough, but you'll have money to go try and replace him on the market. Um, you know, who might not even be that expensive. You could spread that out a little bit. Um, they, they are not going to be able to go through the draft and, and figure it out there. Um, so they're just going to have to be spenders for the next, you know, some odd years until they have that draft capital again. Um, but, that that's that was kind of uh I'm glad that you touched on it because I was gonna say those guys are a little expensive. And when they leave, you can use that money. Um, you know, because it's not gonna be a cap hit. Just it's not guaranteed in the NFL. You can go spend that again. Uh so stick around, McVay. The, the, the success, <laughs> that's the pretty success. much our plea. All three of us this, want you to stay. Yeah, yeah, I want to hey. see, I want to see more. I want to see but more. I, I guarantee you, none of us want McVay to stay more than Matthew Stafford himself. So that begs the question, because if Matthew, Matthew Stafford is now a Super Bowl champion, just like everyone else on that roster, he has a ring. 
He wasn't the Super Bowl MVP, but nonetheless, he is a Super Bowl champion. And after his career began in Detroit, you know, a lot of people, they do they did the same thing with Barry Sanders. People make it seem like Detroit has just been this garbage team the whole time. Matt Stafford took that team to the playoff three times. They weren't good enough to win those three games, but they were good enough to get into the playoffs, right? So they weren't as bad as people think. But now he goes to the Rams, he wins a championship, and the buzz is circulating. The question is being asked. We live, in my opinion, where people just overreact to the moment. But the question is out there. Is Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer if he were to retire today? I'll tell you something right now. Number one thing uh, said on this sportscast is probably more true than any other thing that anybody can ever possibly say is that people tend to overreact to the moment. Um, it's a horrible, it's a horrible, horrible um, disease, literally disease um, that just permeates through mainstream media, right? Yeah, and it's a poison. People eat it up, eat it up, and just regurgitate it back, regurgitate it back. So um, that being said, I'm not sure if there's a person inside the side that has more respect for Matthew Stafford as a person as a player, you know, his toughness, his grit, everything that he's brought to his NFL career. And even, you know, he's a great family man with, with, with four daughters. I'll tell you something right now. If he, like Aaron Donald said, hey, you know, I call it quits today. He's not, he's not in the Hall of Fame. He's not. He's not. But he's great. He's great. And, and, and no, no, let me say this, though. I wouldn't say he does not have potential. I think he can still make it. I think that is possible. You know, uh, to CJ's point, I think he's either 34 or 35. I mean, depending on, you know, how he ages. Also, CJ's point, Cooper Cup is still there. They clearly have a rapport. There is, you know, Robert Woods is coming back. Like, they can get some great seasons out of Matthew Stafford. You know, they always say how, you know, Switching playbooks is like learning a new language. It's very difficult. Peyton Manning could not win a Super Bowl his first season with the Broncos. Like, you know, Tom Brady and Trent Dilfer are the only two people in the entire history of the NFL to be able to do this. Matthew Stafford has added his name to that list. Now, hopefully McVay stays, and now he has more familiarity with the playbook. You know, he can get more stats. Now, he does have a lot of impressive, you know, quickest to – you know, all those different yardage totals, quickest, all those different, you know, TD totals. I do think uh, Detroit was horrible. I do think he le- he literally led them, right? It wasn't like those were 9-7 and seven teams. Like, he had to lead them to the playoffs. Um, but, I mean, th- there aren't asterisks in the Hall of Fame, you know. They, you can't just say, oh, well, you know, he had a bad team, so – this is why we're going to put it like that's that's not how this works. But if he goes on a run and now he's making the NFC championship every year or the Super Bowl every other year in the MVP conversation the next like four years in a row. I mean, that would also imply that he will continue climb up, climbing up these lists in which he's already near the top 10. I feel like he can very well be a Hall of Famer. But he's not if yeah, he retires right now. No, no, and I think we. It sounds like we all agree on that point. He's just he, don't get don't get caught up in the moment. Yes, he won the big game, okay, but but Richard Sherman 
um, if you didn't see his his tweet uh, about this topic, you know, he's he hit on all the right points. Um, you know, there, he has no all decade team. He's not an all he's no all pro awards. He hasn't won an MVP. He's been to one Pro Bowl and he wasn't even the MVP of the Super Bowl. So what you know what what uh, there's just there's not enough accolades right like i don't you know if you're 12th all time in total passing yards and 10th all time in you know passing tds what kind of bar are we setting right now you know if you win a super bowl you get into the hall of fame i don't think you know that's not that's that's not right i mean you've got to you've got to do a little more for me um you know like you said woody if he's he's 34 Right. And I'm, you know, I exaggerated, you know, saying like he might be in his prime, but like he could have four good, respectable years left. Right. Of throwing, you know, for another 3000 yards and 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 just putting up more stats. Um, if he creeps himself into the top five in some of these categories and then wins another Super Bowl in the next four years, two Super Bowl rings, top five in, you know, three major categories. Sure. Now we're having a conversation about it. A little more seriously but if he calls it a career today throws in the towel absolutely not and it's a disgrace if he gets in in my opinion yeah i mean absolutely i'm glad that we are actually all on the same page here i was actually ready to roll my sleeves up and go to war over <laughs> because i could have swore both of you, i could have swore both of you were going to co-sign matt stafford going into the uh into the hall of fame if he retired right now so much respect much respect and my bad for doubting but um, hey, I'll tell you, Matt Stafford can absolutely make a case to get there if he continues to play at a high level. Um, winning another Super Bowl significantly helps that. Right now, he's nine games under 500 for his career. Um, he may be a top 12 passer of all time, but the wins aren't there. He's only had four winning seasons. He's never been an MVP. He doesn't have nearly as many Pro Bowls as some quarterbacks who just got into the league, you know, he's just doesn't have a hall of fame resume and he wasn't the super bowl MVP. Hey, so, fun fact, Matt Stafford and Mac Jones have the same amount of pro bowl appearances. I literally knew, I knew it in my bones that you were going to bring just that up. For absolutely no reason. Yeah. Literally no reason. You, <laughs> right. So, you know, to me, Matt Stafford is a modern day drew Bledsoe drew. Through 2006, when Drew retired, top seven passer of all time. Drew has some he has some statistically dominant seasons. He was a good quarterback in his career, and he won a Super Bowl. But he's still not in the Hall of Fame. He's just not there. And the more talent comes into the NFL and they have a career, and then after their during their first year of eligibility, they become a first ballot Hall of Famer. Players like Drew Bledsoe get kicked back into the line you know drew may not he may be like 82 years old when they finally start saying should we let drew in all right we let drew in now you don't know but matt stafford right now if he were to retire absolutely i don't think he would get in i don't think it would even be a conversation you know two or three decades from now i just don't think he's done enough but he's still writing the story to his career so it is absolutely possible. It is just not finished yet. Um, one thing I will say 
Um, and this, this actually, this, everything that we're saying, you know, it's cool, but this is actually going to hurt me to say is that I actually don't think he'll do what it takes. Cause I actually, I personally believe he might not have too much left in the tank. Um, I think he does have a spot in one of the, you know, toughness hall of fames. I mean, throwing game winners with a separated shoulder, I mean, we all saw what happened. Both QBs actually suffered some crazy leg injuries and just somehow, you know, made it back onto the field. Um, Stafford is probably, you know, one of, if not the most notorious, you know, tough guys in the league, you know, always playing through injury. Um, that usually does have a long-lasting effect. I feel like he's a little bit more um, brittle of a 34-year-old than, like, some of the 34-year-olds we've seen in the last, you know, 10 or so years, like, um, you know, R Russell Wilson is 32. And yeah, I know he just had an injury this year, but I don't think anyone is thinking of him as like, you know, brittle, like Aaron Rodgers, right. is 38. Like, I don't think anyone is saying like, Oh, you know, Aaron only has like one or two years left, but, but Matthew Stafford, he's been going through a lot, a lot of punishment. If I am the Rams, I'm thinking about, you know, Whitworth just retired. I'm thinking about supplementing that offensive line to protect my quarterback because he he's not going to shy away from contact but you need to protect him from contact because i truly don't know if he even has the four or five years that we're talking about that he would need in order to you know make a hall of fame case yeah i mean matt stafford is 34 years old and right now he has after the um after this season He's under contract for the 2022 season uh, with the Rams and then his uh, in 2023. So basically after that, he would be an unrestricted free agent. Um, so that that's that's pretty much all he has left. And we don't know. We're going to find out a lot about Matt Stafford. Um, yeah. Some players, they win that championship, man. And then the hunger, the hunger just increases. They want to do it again. Yeah, I mean, or it could be the opposite. You win that championship and you become Joe Flacco. I got it. I'm good. You know, like you just your career does not take off. Um, we are definitely going to learn a lot about Stafford, um, you know, right now. I I just can't see, you know, guys like Tory Holt and Richard Seymour sitting out here not being in the Hall of Fame and Stafford getting in. I'll just quote on that because – there's a, a lot of guys sitting out there that have more accolades um, than Stafford. I think we're all we're all finally on the same sheet of music here, guys. This is this might be history that we've all agreed on something. I don't I don't know if this has happened before. It's well, I think I'm ready to break that up. All right, let's rock and roll. <laughs> because now we about to couldn't, couldn't, couldn't even let it sink in. Didn't even want to let it sink in. He's already just. Yeah, we agree. Let's get on. Let's start arguing about something. <laughs> Let me get my WWE voice back. We about to transition into the court side, brother. <laughs> we want to talk about the NBA final stretch. Now, let's talk about some of the things that teams have done. The All-Star game is coming up this weekend. The trade deadline is behind us. This part of the NBA season is known as the final stretch where teams, they're going to have a good time this weekend, but then they're going to do everything they can possibly do to position themselves for a playoff run and playoff success. 
So there's been a lot of blockbuster trades, and there's a lot of teams right now in the standings that are trying to solidify their spots, get out of that play-in tournament and into the comfortable spots, but then there's teams trying to hang on for dear life in the play-in tournament. What are some of uh, the things that you notice most about what is currently taking place in the NBA? So we'll say we'll save the the icing, you know, on the cake for for last, the one that we all want to talk about and and, and and highlight. But there was a lot of things that went on, you know, we we even leading up to the trade deadline, right? Um, you know, we saw we saw Norman Powell go to the Clippers, right? He's, he was going to. He was going to help um, bridge that gap before PG and Kawhi, you know, could return. And you know, there's whispers that maybe they'll be able to return in early March. Ty Lue does not seem to be convinced of that for either of them. Um, he seems to be more on the wagon of, of uh, Paul George returning. Nobody knows where Kawhi stands. Um, you know, he's I feel like his injury is just as mysterious as his personality. Um, you know, so we don't we don't know where Kawhi's at at this point. And Norm Powell just fractured his foot and is out indefinitely. The Clippers are in trouble. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of manpower behind those those three as far as scoring the basketball. And I don't think you can rely on Reggie Jackson getting you know the promised land um, and, and Luke Kennard by his side. Um, the other interesting moves, a couple other interesting moves, were Chris the Kristaps Porzingis move um, for Dinwiddie and Bertans. Really was an interesting. Uh, I keep using that word because, frankly, it is. I don't know. Berton seems like a watered down version of Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Um, he can stretch the floor. He's a big guy. Um, he doesn't play defense quite as well as Porzingis. But then you get a uh, then you get Dinwiddie out there. Um, I'm I'm curious to see what the the mix of Dinwiddie and in Doncic is going to be like. Um, I think Doncic is one of those guys who can pretty much play with anybody. So Dinwiddie should theoretically get better. Bertans could help, you know, stretch the floor. Um, the Wizards baffle me. I, they're bringing on another big contract. Uh, do is anybody convinced that they they let go Gaddy's boy Montrez Harrell? You know, there's there's what. I don't know. They they just kind of washed away some of the pieces that were 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 helping them establish a real winning team. A sort of culture was forming there, and then they just kind of go and blow it up um, when ba Bradley Beal gets hurt. But then they bring in Chris Stapps Porzingis. It's just it, it was it was confusing to me because I think Porzingis is a talent, but like I think it was Tim Legler said. You know, he's a unicorn because he's a you know he's a he's a talent see him. He's a talent but he's also a unicorn because you never see him so you know I don't I don't know how smart that was um and I, I might be a homer here but I do like the, the 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 <laughs> are we gonna I'm, talk about Mac Jones we just, no, he, he gritty I'm oh. definitely a homer here but um Derek white I did like that trade I yeah. think objectively um you know around the NBA people saw that as a really good move for the Celtics having a strong defense, the NBA's number one defense past couple of weeks, you know, really building their identity. Um, and then they go out and they get a guy like Derek White, who if you pair him with Marcus Smart in the backcourt, boy, oh boy, guards are going to have a tough time um, with, with those guys. You know, them. I actually um, will piggyback off of what you're saying right now. And 
people won't agree with me, but I think the acquisition of Derek White in the East Coast might be the biggest acquisition of, you know, for team. Yeah, James Harden is a big name, but, you know, James has been injured and you put him on that Sixers team with Embiid, they, they're only going to have 26 games to really get themselves together uh, for the playoffs. But Derek White is one of those pieces that can just fit in and he gives the the hottest team in the East more depth right now. So I really think that Brad Stevens did a great job of acquiring him. But I want to talk about you, know, you were talking about the uh, Washington Wizards. And at the beginning of the year, man, they look like they were going to be a pretty decent team. They're they're in that playoff play in tournament thing that we have nowadays in the <laughs> NBA. But um they're not as strong as they were. I mean, Dinwiddie wasn't getting along uh, with with Bradley Beal, apparently. Um, and that's surprising to me. Dinwiddie was loved out here in Brooklyn. I mean, he was loved. And, um, you know, then now it goes to Washington and it doesn't work. I thought that was going to be a good fit for him, but apparently I was wrong. And then to give away Montrez Harrell, um, the Charlotte Hornets made a great trade because they are the smallest team in the league. And now they have Montrez Harrell, who is a small big man, but he plays very hard and he plays um, very intense. And I think that was a great um, acquisition by them. Um, the the as, as far as uh, over on the West Coast, I do want to talk about the L.A. Lakers. Uh, the, the Lakers, you know, a lot of people like to say the GM. LeBron is the GM. What was reported right after the trade deadline that LeBron and Anthony Davis weren't happy with Rob Palenka's decision to stay pat and not make any moves. That is going to show you that Rob is calling the shots as he should be, you know, in LA, but the Lakers needed to do something, man. Their only hope right now is to hope that this, when Jordan, when Goran Dragic gets bought out in the next couple of days, that he decides to go to L.A., but if I'm him, I'm staying out of L.A. That is a saga going on there, and um, it, it's it's really a disaster. Um, you know, they're, they're five games under 500 right now, and it doesn't look good for them. Uh, yeah, it's, it's – oh, man. Did you see most recently Stephen A's take um, that, you know, the, the, the Lakers should – the first thing they should do this offseason is start taking calls on Anthony Davis. And frankly, I can't disagree with him, right? I mean, you He's got another him. unicorn. He's another <laughs> unicorn. The dude does not play. But he's not even he's not even like Anthony Davis. like you you think like you when I say Anthony Davis, like you think of New Orleans Anthony Davis who's just blocking seven shots a game and you know stepping out to the three-point arc and just just being like this freaking ridiculous human and then he gets and then he gets paired up with lebron and it's like he just forgot how to be great well they won they won the championship in that first season but here's what you learn this is why i respect kobe bryant so much and even lebron because there's some players who they don't want to just win once they want to continue to get there Giannis is built from the same cloth where that hunger just increases after you win a championship. Anthony Davis got the championship. He's street clothes now. He always been street clothes, but now he's comfortable in those street clothes because added to his attire is a bling bling ring. So 
it doesn't really like he's not playing like you would expect him to play. Russell Westbrook said, if I never win a championship, I'm all right with that because where I come from and what I've accomplished, I'm already a champion. If LeBron called the shots, Russell would not have been allowed to get off the airplane after saying that. Russell Westbrook would have been sent back to UCLA to sit in the classroom somewhere and figure out what he's going to do. Like, forget OKC, forget Washington, forget Houston. He would have been sent back to UCLA if if LeBron James was calling the shots after saying that. So, you know, the, the, the Lakers, they're not looking like a strong team. In this. They're going to obviously – you know, LeBron is having one of his best seasons, but it's, it's looking like it's going to go to waste. And you're going to, you know, that's you're getting another year closer to 40. And even though you defy time, uh, we're going to see. But I will say this the team that looks the best right now in the West is obviously the Phoenix Suns. Um, the, the Golden State Warriors, they, they were on fire. They had a nine game win streak. You know, they had a couple losses, I think, um, in, their, in their past couple games. Um, but they're six games back. They're five games back from the Suns. And, you know, I, I do think it's going to come down in the West Coast. to That is going to be your Western Conference Finals. Um, you know. And and I, I can't agree. I couldn't agree more with you on the West Coast. And, and one more thing about Anthony Davis before we before we stop shredding the Lakers, because I'm just enjoying this so much right now. Um <laughs> Anthony Davis, uh, since joining the Lakers, right? His first year with the Lakers, solid, right? He was still putting up points per game. He was, you know, shooting at a high clip, you know, even knocking down 33% from, from behind the arc. The last two years, Will, he has just fallen off a cliff. And that's what I'm talking about is, is you know, 21 points a game, 23 points a game, but – he is literally shooting his worst three-point percentage of his career since, like, his third year in the league these last two seasons. He is shooting the three-pointer at a 17% clip this year. 17% clip. And and get a, get even last year, he shot 49% from the field. It's up a little bit, 53%. Okay. But this year he's he's putting up 1.83s per game and shooting at a 17%. You cannot like Anthony Davis has just it, it like we've been saying all you know all along and we'll we'll get into this in the next segment some people just do not pair well on the basketball floor together. Thank goodness Something happened with the Celtics where Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum has started to figure out, like, oh, my gosh, we can share the basketball and the floor. Amazing. Not going to get into the Celtics right now. Just wanted to hit oh. that Anthony Davis oh. point really quick. Okay. You know, and, and, and just tap into that because they got a whole bunch of players that don't play well together. All, all I got to say about that is, you know, Kevin Love was one of the best power forwards in the league 2020. All right, he was a hot commodity. Plays a couple of seasons with LeBron James. Now he's overrated. He washed up. He's a scrub. He can't do this. Can't do that. AD, one of the best power forwards in the league, playing with LeBron. Now he's overrated. He's a scrub. I don't know. I don't know. You know the the 
whatever you want to call him, the GM, whatever. He's killing his power forwards. Killing his power forwards. Don't make me talk about Chris Bosh now. Chris Bosh, I mean, his, so that's all, that's all I got to say about that. Oh, yeah. You know what? There's a trend. There is a trend, Woody. I didn't no. see it before, no. but I see it now. <laughs> no. No, stop. Because stop, 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 stop. We don't, we don't have to do this. We don't have to do this. Just no, we have to because this is. We I never even got into my final stretch. I didn't even get that. Was just my reaction to your, right. you know, Laker yeah. love. I never even got into final stretch. No, you know, no one has heard. Hold on. Get into no. Go ahead. Get into your final stretch. I'm just. I'll, I'm just I'll saying. See. I'll see. You I'll know, see you everybody is just patiently waiting. They're like, oh, you know, Woody, is Woody going to say what teams he's looking for? You know, so all I got to say, I'll keep it sweet because Will, Will is just boiling. He's boiling for our MP3 listeners. He's just boiling, waiting to defend his LaQueen uh, herself. So let's say I'm going to talk about this one guy, all right, because his co-captain, okay, is hurt. He's hurt. He's been out. But he has literally risen. He has risen to elevate this team. This team has won four straight, you know, among the top of the conference. Okay. He is doing something that no one in that franchise has done for almost 40 years. You guys know what I'm talking about? Of course you do. This man, oh my God, he's he is uh Jordan-esque right now, just elevating his team, scoring 35 points a game, like every game for the last seven games. He is doing some work. The Bulls are dangerous, and Levine's coming back, man. Like, this is what I was saying before with Clay Thompson. Clay is getting, you know, being able to work himself back in. Like when you know teams are able to continue to you know work well with injured players. I mean, oh my gosh, the value there. Because then when those players come back, no, don't get me wrong, right? There's still some, you know, there's some continuity stuff to work out there. But they were playing so well together, you know, pre-injury. So I'm, I'm telling you, those Bulls, they're they're going to be something to uh to walk, look out for. I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they return to the NBA Finals. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Hey, I'm I'm not sleeping on them in the East just because of these next two teams that we're about to talk about. But Kevin Love was actually a great fit with LeBron James in Cleveland. There was no talk about him being trash other than when he wasn't on the court and he was injured. That was the knock on him. He was injured. But he became a monster stretch four. Like, that's what LeBron needs. He needs people that, you know, he can get in the lane and dish it out. And Kevin Love was knocking down that three. It just sucked that he wasn't in all of the final series. Anthony Davis was a great pairing with LeBron James, but after the championship, Anthony Davis regressed him and LeBron. They don't play bad together. Anthony just isn't going hard. When LeBron James says that he wants another player in here to kick Anthony Davis into gear, that's saying something, you know, you never have to tell Chris Bosh or Dwayne Wade that you never have to tell Kevin Love that. And, and Anthony Davis is arguably more talented than them, but you know what? I'm just going to let that go right there because there is something in the NBA right now. Yes. Now that you got the last word, let's let it go. Hey, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Let's do that. Do you, would you like to add another word? No, no, because no, no. Just take it. Take it. Take you got it. something take to add. Word. Will Daddy. With the By all word. means. No. You can take it. You can take it. You know, it like equal opportunity over here. But you, you, 
You got it. You got it. You the, got it, man. The, we'll Nets, get the last word. The Nets and the Sixers made a blockbuster trade. And if we want to talk about coming down the final stretch, there's only one reason why you make a trade like this. Well, maybe two reasons. One reason, you're trying to get to the NBA Finals. And if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, you have Joel Embiid, who is playing at an MVP level, and you need someone else on the court with him. Team playing good without Ben Simmons. Team's playing good, you know, just a couple games out of first place in the East. But if you want to get through the playoffs, you need someone else. And who does Daryl Morey decide to go get? James Harden in the city of Philadelphia, where the beard just feels so natural. That the beards are in Philly, and the beard himself is in Philly. Um, but then you trade Ben Simmons, who all of a sudden he is preparing himself to step on the court. He's not in a mental shell anymore. He's, you know, his mental health is uh things are lighting up. He just needed to get out of the 215. Maybe he ate a bad cheesesteak, you know, maybe somebody booed him at a red light and he just didn't like the city anymore. But he is in Brooklyn, where they call him Brooklyn Ben now. And um, you know, along with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. Who won this trade? There's an, there's an easy one. The Nets. The Nets rolled away with this one. And, and I'll tell you why. <coughs> Harden was the best player, okay, in the deal. Um, but Harden wasn't the only player in the deal, okay? James Harden is going to, I think, I think, and I've said this from the beginning of when we started hearing rumblings that, you know, he wanted to get out of Houston and he might go to Philly. I was like, go to Philly. The pick and roll between you and Embiid could be elite. There's plenty of shooting around there. You know, if you're able to keep some guys like Seth Curry, which they didn't do, Tobias Harris being able to play a four and knock down a three, Cork Maz, you know, they've got shooting all over the place. Danny Green. I mean, they, they've got guys that can make it from beyond the arc. You pair those guys with James Harden and set a pick and roll with Embiid. Boy, oh boy, that team's offense is going to be dangerous in the half court. But they gave away Seth Curry and an underrated Andre Drummond because the Nets needed size. Philly literally just gave them a guy who can play defense on Embiid and give him a little bit of tough a little bit of a tough time down low if they're going to if they're going to go to that type of offense where they're just banging down low. LaMarcus Aldridge isn't going to be able to contain Embiid. Blake Griffin isn't going to be able to contain Embiid. Nicholas Claxton can't contain Embiid. So you just handed them not only Ben Simmons, one of the best perimeter defenders who does not want to have anything to do with shooting the basketball unless it's within 5 feet of the rim. You just gave him all sorts of weapons to play with. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, like just are 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 going to be in heaven playing with him because he's not going to shoot the basketball. He doesn't want to shoot the basketball, and he's just going to bring the ball up the floor and let them do their thing. He's just another piece that's going to be able to lock down one through five on defense. They gave him Andre Drummond. They gave him Seth Curry, who's one of the best percentage three point shooters in the league. Listen, they just ran. They that was. They couldn't have done better in this trade. Um, you know, if I'm trying to them, I am I am just patting myself on the back. See you later, James. You weren't you didn't want to be here. You're you've been chubby, you've been, you know, tuned out some games. We don't know when you're gonna play, when your shoulder's gonna be good. You know, get just we got enough problems with Kyrie Irving here. Get out. Just get out. 
we'll, we'll bring in Ben and let him just pass the ball. So hands down, I think the Nets won this one. I think both teams won. Um, I mean, obviously the Sixers needed to get rid of Ben. They were getting packages that they didn't like. Uh, to be able to still recover um, a a former MVP, you know, a top 75, you know, most likely Hall of Famer, you know, from this this kid who pretty much torpedoed his own train value, uh, trade, not train, but trade value, um, I think is a godsend. I think that's, that's a tremendous, tremendous win. Um, so they should definitely be happy with that. But I will definitely agree with CJ that the Nets won this just a little bit more. I mean, well, he said it was hands down. I think I think it's a little bit closer, but I do think, yes, the Nets won it more. That's because any good team, any championship team, any playoff team, what you need is depth. All right. You need to be able to um, adapt to the matchup. Right. Like when you go through the playoffs, you know, you have you know, one style that you have to play for the first series. And then usually that very next series is a completely different team with completely different strengths and weaknesses. And now adding Ben, Seth, and Drummond, you are kind of able to morph your team. You morph your lineups however you'd like. Like if you want to play small ball, Aldridge is there. If you have Embiid, Drummond is there. Like, I completely agree there. You know, Seth, if you need threes, I mean, Seth just led the team in scoring in a win against Sacramento, right? So he he has what it takes. But now if, you know, you're playing a team maybe with two great guards and he may be a liability, now you have Ben Simmons there for the lockdown. So the versatility that this gave the Nets, the depth that this gave the Nets, how are they not the winners of this, of this trade? Now, I do think – you know, Philly should be proud of themselves getting, you know, uh, an MVP return for for a disgruntled star that made it clear that they were disgruntled. But, I mean, the Nets, they, they got to be hyped. All they need to do is literally just make it to the top, you know, seven, and they they should be – or top six, right, with the with this plan, and they, they should be good to go. We did, we did say this last year too, right? Um, you know, where the Nets were looking like an absolute powerhouse before Aldridge, you know, when they picked up Aldridge before he had the, you know, the unfortunate heart situation and then Blake Griffin. And we were just like, these guys are freaking loaded. There's no way they're not going to win the NBA finals. And then they hit the Bucks. You know, we don't know. I mean, there's. But they were hurt. They got hurt. They got banged up. They, they helped, but we're seeing them get hurt, right? Like, I mean, Kevin Durant isn't, isn't, yeah. hasn't helped. There's no, there's no guarantees. Um, you know, and I, but. Like we were just preaching. I mean, that's why I think the Nets went out here because you need depth. One of those guys goes down. You still got Seth Curry to plug into that lineup. You're still looking okay. You're looking all right. Um, so yeah, who who won the trade? I mean, well, what do you I think, think is you know, this is a little weird. Um I honestly don't know if either team actually won. The trade, but you have to pick a winner because they traded with each other. Who got better? I'm actually not convinced that both teams got better, and I'll tell you why. Right now, I do think one team is a little bit more favorable for one player, but I'll save that player till the end. But I don't know if each team got better. There are too many ifs and variables that are unreliable in both circumstances, right? 
Let's talk about James Harden. He hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been reliable. Like he gave up on the Rockets. He gave up on the Nets. So you just bring him in and you think that he, oh, coincidentally, didn't get the paperwork filed enough to do an extension in time. Now that conversation is off the table until the offseason. You know, if this doesn't go well in Philly, James Harden can go wherever he wants. He can opt out of his contract and sign a bigger contract elsewhere. He'll have suitors. His name is James Harden. Even if his game doesn't live up to the name anymore, he will have suitors. You know, um, obviously, can you trust him to stay in Philly? We don't know. It's rough out there, man. If James Harden has a three for 16 playoff game, he's getting booed, man. The fans don't play any games. They're not going to play. It's okay, James Harden. You get it. You'll get it. It's going to be pressure out there to win. And he hasn't shown that he can handle that pressure. Now, that's my first if. Second is Joel Embiid has never been consistently healthy through a whole season. He's playing at a high level, but even last year in the playoffs, the knee started to act up, right? He played through it. He gutted it out. He's tough. But now the Sixers don't have a reliable big man. I think I think one of us may be there, you know, bigger than anybody else left on that roster. Obviously, that's an extreme exaggeration. But they don't have a reliable center. They might have to find somebody in a buyout market, maybe Tristan Thompson. But they don't have a reliable center. If Embiid needs to be spelled down the stretch, what are you going to do? You're going to have James Harden out there with Tobias Harris, and it's going it's to look like a Houston Rockets lineup all over again. Like, you know, like, is that good? What is going to happen with that? Um, now let's talk about the Nets. <clears throat> ideally, and we've been talking ideally Ben Simmons his entire career in Philadelphia. But – if Ben Simmons plays like the Ben Simmons that everyone has wanted to see, you know, this this New York, I mean, this Brooklyn team can look great. But you got part-time Kyrie. He can't play home games, right? Um, KD is not healthy. So now you have Ben out there with Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond doesn't space the floor. He doesn't shoot. At least Embiid can step out for three and give Ben Simmons all of the space he needs to operate. But now... Andre's is going to be in the paint, you know, or is he going to be on the bench behind LaMarcus Aldridge? It's going to be, it's not going to be as easy as people think. Meanwhile, this team has lost 11 straight games, you know, and then Ben, who knows when he's going to play his first game. And it, it's not looking like they got better, but the one player that I say actually tips the scale is Seth Curry. Because Seth Curry replaces Joe Harris. Joe Harris was their shooter, their spacer, right? So Joe Harris spread the floor, and he's hurt. He's gone. Seth is there. He'll pick right up where that left off. If, if Ben Simmons can get in shape and play just like the Ben that we saw, he doesn't have to magically start shooting, then he will help them defensively. And, um, you know, we'll see. And with Kevin Durant – you know, you'll, if you go small, if you go with a small lineup, you know, nobody's going to go, you know, double. Kevin Durant can beat double teams all day. Joel Embiid struggled with the double teams in the paint, and he's not quick enough to take people off the dribble. Uh, but Kevin Durant has been beating double teams since he was probably in sixth grade. Like, that's nothing to him, you know. Um, so I, I do think that it could work, but there's too many variables. There's too many ifs. I don't know if they became better 
than teams like the Chicago Bulls who have their continuity. Zach Levine's out. DeRozan steps up. They've, they've got a well-oiled machine out there. The Miami Heat played tough defense. The Celtics are surging, right? Between them two, they had to make a trade, but we'll see if it works. Going to be interesting. Definitely going to be an interesting stretch. So, Woody, would you like the last word here? That is so nice. Um, I, I th- th- those were a lot of ifs, um, valid points, but I, I still think that they both won. Um, especially with you know, you you wouldn't say you wouldn't be hyped to hear that you know Ben's gone, like Harden, <laughs> you know, is here. Like I don't know, I don't know, but I, I think they both won. We'll see about all those ifs because health is is definitely a key. And Harden is Harden tough enough? That's a really good point. Is he tough enough to, you know, withstand the Philly crowd? Um, just withstand the pressure, right? You know, we, we we truly don't know. Will he be a diamond? We don't know. We don't yeah. know. We'll find out. We will find mm-hmm. out. And uh, we didn't get enough passion in that. So, you know, I'm going to I'm going to steal your your transition here, Gaddy. And I want to I want to I want to hear I want to hear some people. I want to hear you out. I want to hear some some passion, right? You want to hear me out? I want to I want to I want to hear you out. You want to hear me out? Let's hear let's hear the Gaddy special. What Oh what, my what, god. What, what, I'm, what do you got on, on tap for us this week? Let's, let's I'm so it. glad that I get to speak to a sports player right now because there is one man that I have something to say to and that is you Ben Simmons. Ben You've been mentally unable to play all year. Now you're traded. You're dapping up the players on the court. You change your jersey number to 10, and all of a sudden, you're going to get ready to play. Okay, I'm sure you're going to step on the court, but are you going to play on March 10th? Because that's the only game that matters. When you go into Philly and you, you're you going to get booed as soon as you get off of the airplane. Or as a matter of fact, Brooklyn to Philly, they may just take a bus. People are going to boo you while you're on the bus, man. They're going to be behind the bus booing Ben Simmons. This is going to be the worst night of your professional career. And you know it because you've been in Philly. Do you have enough guts to step on that court? Because I'll tell you what, if you step on the court in Philly and you have a good game and you hit at least one three-pointer, you become my favorite player in the NBA because that would be the biggest troll move that I've ever seen in my life. But I don't think you got the guts to do it. So, Ben, I don't know what you have to do to get yourself mentally prepared to step on that court on March 10th, but I need you to hear me out because you need to be in that game. Be tough. Everybody has gone through it. Bron had to go back to Cleveland. KD had to go back to OKC. You are nowhere near in their name but if you want to be, you need to go back to Philly and play in that game. Hear me out. That's that's what I'm talking about. That's what I need. I needed that passion. I need a little fire right now. I need a little fire. And I'll I'll let I'll let Woody clean up after me. You know, because I, I I'm a little bit I'm a little bit PO'd, and I've I've brought this up before, but now it's to a specific person. Rob Manfred. What are we doing? What are we doing in these negotiations? These MLB and player union negotiations. The latest article that I said that I read talked about how little you are willing to pay, if anything, to minor league baseball players. Now, 
having played baseball all of my life and I was not minor league talent. I was amateur level in college ball and, and that at a D three level. Right. But it was wonderful. I know people that did make it to the minor leagues and they can't focus on baseball. They can barely make a living off of what you're giving them. It is atrocious. It is ridiculous. The amount of money that these owners have and the amount of money it costs us to you have, you have, you have no cap in the MLB. We are paying $500 million contracts out to players in the pros, but, but we can't, we're talking about not even paying minor league players. The, the future of your game, the youngest players that are up and coming have to be bartenders on the weekends because they can't afford, what is this? This is, Are we in the 50s uh, NBA, in the, in the 60s NBA, where <clears throat> basketball is just kind of a hobby that you play, you know, for a couple spare bucks for some of the season? This is just horrendous, horrendous, and it, it, it's, it's, it needs to be resolved. And, and frankly, I don't think Manfred should be, uh, should be, allowed to be the commissioner anymore i think he is just absolute trash i know quite a few people who would agree with me and this is an atrocity that needs to be fixed so good job by the player players union to to hold their ground you know i love the lockout to end i'm passionate about watching baseball but as long as this continues and the, and, and they keep being served crap on the uh on the minor league side and they think they can run that no, sir. Hear me out, Rob Manfred. Either leave or figure out a fair way to pay your players in the in the minor league level. Wow. Definitely should have had you clean up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Um, so everybody, you know, make sure to uh, sign the CJ Silva petition, okay, to bring back the MLB. All right, bring back, you know, end the lockout, pay these minor league players because you're right. You know, these, these players definitely deserve uh, something. Um, well, they deserve more than something, you know, and they definitely deserve a whole lot more than nothing. So kudos, um, sign that petition. I'm James Woody. I'm ready to sign whenever. <laughs> All right. Um, so my hear me out. I'm going to talk to somebody. And we've actually never, ever done uh, Hear Me Out to a ringside performer before, but it's the first time for everything, you know. And I just want to talk about, you know, you know, you talk about some of those most electrifying names, some of the most uh, elite fighters. I know for a fact um, Israel Adesanya would put himself in that class, right? He is one of the best. And honestly, from a skill standpoint, he is one of the best, right? He um, has been dominating the middleweight division. And I, I, I follow Francis Ngannou on, on Instagram. You know, he always hyped up the three kings, right? That's uh, himself, Adesanya, and Kamaru Usman, all right? Two of those guys are, are Nigerian. Uh, Ngannou is, is Cameroonian. You know, so that's Africa. That's the three African kings dominating, right, the, the UFC. But Israel... All right. I got I got some nausea blood in me too. All right. I got some nausea blood in me too. And I'm telling you right now. All right. 
you got to pick it up, man, because you you you're you're trying to act like you're elite. You're trying to act like you're Connor. You're trying to act like you're confident, but you know what you did? Your last fight with Whitaker, you were playing with your food, playing with your food, getting all these unanimous decisions. You see, Israel, that Niger blood. You want to call yourself a king? Well, a king finishes that prey now. It does not play with its food and let it run around minute after minute after minute after minute. You need to be a killer. You need to prove to the world that you are king. So how about you finish a fight for the first time in over two years? Just knock somebody out. Knock out somebody. Because instead... I'm knocked out trying to watch your fights. Boring. Eating boring. Okay? So prove to us, prove to the world that you are a killer and that you deserve to be in the same breath as Francis Ngannou as one of those three kings. Hear me out. Man, shout out to Mbaku. I'm glad I'm glad I left you to clean it up. Man, boy, I couldn't I couldn't follow that up. Yeah, you man. Bust out the Wakanda accent. I don't Baku have any style. actual accents to give oh, you. Man, yeah. I, love it, I, love I don't it, have man. any of that. So I'm glad. Nah, Thank man. But um, that was all facts. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the side to side sportscast. We want you here on with us. We want you to call it how you see it. We want you to call it how you saw it. We want you to call out those who didn't see it how you saw it. We want you to represent your thoughts, your team, the way you see the sports landscape. Be side to side with your boys. That's how we ride. But for now, we'll see you next week. We out. prove to the world that you are king.